It's the Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. Hi, guys. How's it going? All right. Who wants to know? Don't ask. You, hanging out with the Bowery Boys all day? What's going on over there? Yeah. Ben? Satch. Satch and uh, Mahoney. What, what are those guys' names? Satch? Uh, well, I, I just know Leo Gorsi and Hunts Hall, and those are their real names. Right, but their characters are Satch and... Muggsy sounds about Muggsy, right? Muggsy, yeah. Muggsy. Uh, well, Muggsy... Yeah, but who's who? Gabe, are you an East Side Kids kid? No. Are you a Bowery Boys boy? No. Is Michelle Pfeiffer in it? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Walk us through. What's going on? How do you get Michelle Pfeiffer? Thank you. Wasn't she in that movie where she uh, sat on the piano? What was that movie? That's that's, that's the... Fabulous Baker Boys. Oh, it's a good, good I'm movie. Close. I'm close. Good movie. I just Boys. saw a movie with Bo Bridges. So yeah, he's yeah. I, know, I thought of that one. I, I think I'd rather be watching that one. I saw Rick Ness the other night and didn't get a chance to spend a lot of time talking to him because another friend of mine who I hadn't seen in, in 20 years showed up at the movie, and we wound up going to get a drink afterwards. And he was talking to me about some VHS tapes that I gave him 20 years ago when he was sick in the hospital and he had nothing to do except watch movies. And he was telling me how much he loves those movies and has been watching them ever since. And he mentioned a movie to me that I had made a copy on VHS for him and given to him and then promptly forgotten about. He he said the name of this movie and it I, he had to describe the whole movie to me before I even remembered what this was. But now I want to watch it again. You ready for this one? I am. Describe the whole movie to us, and then maybe we can guess it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it. It's the follow. It's a follow-up movie from Paul Brickman, the guy who did Risky Business. It's called Men Don't Men Leave. Don't Leave. Yeah, with Jessica yeah. Lang. You got to let me guess. Uh, well, no, <laughs> Men Don't you Leave. Did. Ar- you got Arliss, it. Arliss Howard. Yeah. Uh, got it in one. Chris, what's his face? Yeah, I love. I love Men Don't Leave. I remember loving it so much I gave it to a friend of mine to enjoy in the hospital, but I have not seen it and I, since, and I need to, I think I need to program it or something. Gabe, if you were in the hospital, what would you do to enjoy yourself? I would flip through YouTube for 24 hours or whatever it is. YouTube is the, is the next, uh, whatever. To, God, to godliness? It's, it's just cheap entertainment. I don't mean cheap like free. I mean, you can, it's nonstop entertainment. Shitty? No. Slutty? Slutty entertainment? Anything you want to find on YouTube. You can you can see it. Is Men Don't Leave on YouTube? Probably. Probably. So, so you know where I just got back from? I just got back from Grand Rapids. Did Finally you spend saw... The, wait, wait, wait. Did you spend the night in Grand Rapids? Yes. Oh, wow. We went to the 1030 screening of Oppenheimer last night. So I finally saw this thing. Mm-hmm. Three hours worth. Mm-hmm. I heard Three, it flies by. How was it? Uh, I wouldn't say it flies by. <laughs> it's a little boring. Did you see this, Gabe? Did you see this boring piece of 
I'm going to have to see this. Nolanism? I'm going to have to see it in pieces when it comes to. <laughs> you can't sit through a three hour movie. Are you kidding me? I, I wouldn't bet. It. I wouldn't bet that I could. <laughs> I'd need some. Some well, uh, heavy well, Mountain Dew. I saw. Listen, uh, I saw it at that 70 millimeter IMAX film thing. And it was a, it was a pleasure for the eyeballs. Not so much for the brain, but the my eyeballs were very, very happy last night. You've seen this junk. What do you think? I loved it. How? <laughs> like that last hour was excruciating. I mean, it was uh, like suddenly Robert Downey Jr. is a, a superhero, supervillain. And just like, uh, does this have to happen in every one of this guy's movies? No, no, no. You've been watching something completely different than what you thought. Oh, really? Because I thought I was watching Amadeus and Robert Downey Jr. was Salieri. Oh, you're telling me he's super evil Salieri. Oh, oh, well, that changes things. Everyone's yelling at each other. Like, even the, even the bomb going off was a disappointment. I don't get it. Well, you had to see it a couple more times. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I guess so. I don't get it. Justine got up afterwards. She goes, Listen, you're the guy who caved on Barbie after a second viewing. Barbie is better than this. That's oh, for goddamn sure. It. That's oh, crazy talk. Ten ten. Yes. That's insanity what you just Much said. better. <laughs> Justine gets up. She goes, so why does everyone really like this? And I go, that's a great question. Why? Why? I don't know. But I'm, but I'm, going, after, I'm going again tonight. So maybe I'll change my mind. I'm going to drive back to Grand Rapids. So we got to wrap this up. Was it uh, was it packed? Oh yeah, dude, it's packed. It's packed, and every day, every showing, every day after this for the next two weeks is sold out. Wow! Like this was the one showing in two weeks that wasn't sold out. It's insane. Like people so, are there. I mean, this is a thing. So would you say it's a nice theater, like big screen, all that? Yeah, man. Oh, it looked great. It was terrific. But you know, it was packed. It was a fucking idiot next to me he walks in he's got the shitty young kid hipster beard it's not even hipster anymore it's just a shitty beard and he's got his <laughs> head like he's like you know one of those freaks one of us hairdos like you know the gabba gabba hey guys got pulled up there oh really i'm like all right this guy's gonna be fine the movie starts as soon as the movie starts and there were no there were no previews or anything before they just started the movie movie starts he takes out this bag of popcorn Starts eating. I'm like, okay, this is going to be done in about 20 minutes. No. An hour later, he's still doing it, and it's getting worse. It's just like he's going into it, and he's like, he starts getting, like, pieces of the popcorn on his shirt, and then he starts picking pieces off of his shirt, and I'm like, you're embarrassing yourself, you fucking idiot. And so then the bag comes up, and I know what's next. The, you know, kind of start shaking things out of the bag. He starts shaking the bag around. And, that's, and by that, that's when Matt Damon showed up. And I was like, I'm going to let this go until Matt Damon shows up. He shows up. I look at the guy. I, like, I said, seriously? He's like, what? I go, are you going to eat the bag? He's like, uh, maybe. I'm like, I didn't pay 40 bucks to listen to you eat. You know, it's like <laughs> this is a this is for me and my movie theater experience a relatively recent phenomenon, but it is the worst thing I've ever heard. Is these fuckers who need to shake their popcorn uh, all the time no, like, repeatedly? Yeah. What the yeah. fuck are you assholes doing? 
They're just getting eat the, your fucking the, popcorn. They're getting I know the what butter. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it is. Yeah, no. but it's ridiculous. I don't know when people shake, became so obsessed. You're making noise in a movie. Stop exactly. shaking your fucking popcorn. It's just like the urinal. <laughs> shake it twice. After that, you're playing with yourself. <laughs> Do not shake the popcorn. Shake it outside. Gabe's not down with this. Are, Gabe, are you are you against popcorn in general at the, at the movie theater or just? I, the- I am against somebody. Uh, listen, I would never sit next to a stranger and start making noise and start like crumbling paper during a movie. I just wouldn't do that to somebody. I don't understand why I don't deserve the same courtesy. I wouldn't sit down next to you and start whispering in your ear. I mean, that's what he's doing. He's like, do you wait, Gabe? Do you shake, do you shake your popcorn throughout? I don't the, shake the popcorn, but I don't. Okay, that's be, all. I don't want to be popcorn shamed at my experience at the theater. Listen, I'm, you've got I'm, a great you've got a great point. You should be able to eat popcorn, and I know movie theaters make a lot of money from popcorn. They make more money in the popcorn than anything else. Yeah, well, I also deserve. To hear the movie and not have, I don't know. Shaking popcorn is an asshole move. Ben's right. Maybe I'm being too much of a weirdo, but Ben has a good point. The other weirdo in this thing has a good point. (laughs) I don't know. But but I thought, of course it looked great, but it's Nolan's usual tricks. And I got to say, I got more out of that 90-minute documentary from 81 that's playing on Criterion than I did in all of three hours of this movie. Is there an intermission? <laughs> I think the bomb going off was the intermission. I don't know if I can hold it for 90 minutes. Don't shake it more than twice. <laughs> and not 90 minutes. A hundred and how much is it? three hours? <laughs> three hours, 180 minutes. Oh, it is 180 minutes. But the thing that this movie did for me, and maybe it did nothing else, but it's lovely to look at, and I was excited to be in a. I, I was, I, I saw it right after Barbie, and I was excited to. Have so did you see it on IMAX? Yeah, digital. Not IMAX film, like no, like, like the real IMAX. people like me, right? But you saw it on digital, shitty IMAX. I uh, yeah, I saw it on the okay. on the bullshit. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I just want to get that ones there. and zeros IMAX. Yes. But the thing that it made so me... So you didn't really see the movie the way I <laughs> right. saw the movie. Yeah. I Okay. The digital IMAX hides a lot of those narrative flaws and, 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 <laughs> yeah. and, and smooths over those boring spots. Does it smooth over the pores? And it also too? makes Florence Pugh's tits look better than oh. apparently they do on cellulite. Please no. No. no we're going to cut this out. No, we're cutting all this shit out. <laughs> oh, why? We're not allowed to talk about Florence Pugh's uh, breastuses? Pugh. <laughs> Uh, it made me think, oh yeah, I've been buying this thing hook, line and sinker my whole life because that's what they teach you in school, that they had to drop this bomb because Japan would never surrender. Oh no, no. But I don't, but right. But I watch this movie and I'm like, what, what, what was that? What, what were they telling us? What, what is this based on? Yeah. No, watch that documentary that's on a criterion. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Forget what it's called. Yeah. But they were just like, they were kind of like, like all the scientists were like, well, we made it. We have to do it. I mean, that was their thinking. It's insane. (laughs) It's like, wait, wait, I built this bomb for nothing. Yeah. 
Come on. Anyway, Gabe, four stars. Go see it. Four out of five, four out of ten. What else we got? Gabe, who's on the show today? You don't ask, you don't say. Uh today huh? what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I lost my train of thought there. Rick Ness of the Figdish fame, of the Ness fame. Yes. What else? Rick Ness, long, long time companion, <laughs> long time comrade. We've been threatening to get him on the show for a while and it's happening. Star of one of the classic anecdotes that you guys tell from time to time about playing his demo. Okay. Before, before yeah. Set. We'll get into that. The Unleash the Kraken demo. Yeah. 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 We'll have to trot that one out again. But yes, and he's here. Figdish has a new record of our new comp. Is this a new record or is this a new compilation? Ben, I mean, it's previously recorded, unreleased stuff, but they've fashioned it into a record. So this is an alternate, how about this, an alternate universe third record. Yeah, this is like, exactly what, what, well, right. Cause this is not the third record that they were recording or did record and no. then didn't release. No, this is fashioned from from Andy Gerber. We'll, we'll let him get into it. Uh, we brought something up a couple of weeks ago, and then, uh, Ben, you shut it down. And that was me talking about the Pequod's pizza scene on your favorite show, The Bear. You remember this? I, I don't want to say anything for fear of shutting you down again but yes no no no. i do and do you remember when this happened on the episode oh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago yeah i do okay because we got into an argument over whether they call that restaurant in the show alinea or it's just sort of an alinea-esque imitation of alinea right which was definitely not the point of my story the point of my story listen was, we've got time to fill and so i tend for, to for shorthand <laughs> for shorthand i was calling it alinea and it was based on alinea yeah. Okay. No argument there. Gabe, are you getting all this? You were there. I think so. I think so but what I, I would like second, to consider Gabe, you impartial. Do you know anything about Alinea, Gabe Rodriguez? I know nothing about Alinea. I know something about Pequots. I don't know what the two have to do with each other. You'd like to hear this story, wouldn't you? I'm fascinated. <laughs> okay, so there's a TV show called The Bear. And uh, there's an episode where one of the characters works at this place that's supposed to be Alinea. Now, I don't know if they called it Alinea on the show, but I know that it's supposed to be Alinea. Can I clarify one thing or correct? Oh, here we go again. Go the, this character doesn't normally work at this restaurant, whatever it is, but he's been sent there for a week to cool his jets or to learn the trade. To learn some things. Yeah. To learn, to learn his fucking trade. Right. Yeah. So he's there and there's, this is a restaurant that, you know, they're like, they'll get you anything. It'll be the best, best meal of your life. There's this huge waiting list. And so they hear these people that are going to eat there. I don't know. Do they, do they bug the people that are going in there? Do they spy on their, I think they seem to have like, they seem to have like staff hovering over every table throughout the entire meal. And so 
this one table is a table full of tourists in Chicago. And yes. they're like, oh, we never and, got to Pequot. Right. And they're bummed that they never got to try Chicago pizza. So uh, this the, the head chef sends this guy out, the guy who's been there, out to Pequod's to get them real Chicago pizza. Real Chicago pizza is going to do it. So they bring it, they open up the pizza box, and he looks at it, and you know, it's the, the thick crust pizza. And he's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. How can I present this in, in a linear type of way? And so he goes out and he gets this, like, he just starts cutting cupcakes out of it, right? Like a cookie cutter. Yeah, whatever. Cup, cutting cupcakes out of it. And then brings it to them. And they're like, oh, my God, it's the most amazing meal. Now, here's where the bear really, really, really fucking loses me. The best thing about Pequod's pizza and the most famous thing about Pequod's pizza, Gabe, is what? The caramelized crust you're goddamn right now anybody worth their salt talking about pequods knows that's the shit that's what you come for you don't come from for the center of it without the outside and the crust the pizza's useless in fact last week i got a thin crust pizza from there because i was by myself and uh, that's what i do when i'm by myself and they still had like a caramelized crust around the thin crust pizza. Even the thin crust has a caramelized because they know that's what they do. And everybody who goes there knows what they do. Now, how could the bear get this so wrong? Well, because that's the bear's whole fucking thing. And it's fascinating to me. It's this weird paradox where everyone celebrates the bear as like, oh, this is the most realistic, like this is how it is thing. But they get... Every every detail that I know from my non-restaurant industry career mm. is like they get everything wrong. Every single detail is wrong throughout this entire fucking show, including and spectacularly so the Pequods thing. You're right. Like, why would you want that without the fucking crust? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And then they sent these fucks back to wherever the fuck they live. You didn't get Pequods, assholes. Yeah. All right, I, I wanted to get that off my chest. And it's been on my chest for two weeks, Ben. But as, ever since I hung out with Mike Mills and that REM show, life's been good, man. I don't let anything get me down. So, you know, listen, maybe a guy chewing popcorn in my ear might piss me off. But I say something to him, and then I move on. You interrupting my story about... Pequods and the bear. You know, I, I'm not going to let it get to me this, this week. <sighs> Namaste. Namaste. So speaking of REM, I'm still blown away, Gabe, that you're uh, such an automatic for the people fan. Blown away. That, that is my favorite album from REM. I'm just going to say it. I'm not afraid to say it. I said it last week. Okay, I'll say it again. <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't think you should be unproud. I think it's a great record. It's a great record. You said it's That's great. That's what I said. It's a great <laughs> record. That's what I Gabe, said. So you, you had sort of avoided getting into R.E.M. up until that point. So what was it about, what did you hear off of that album that made you even want to buy it in the first place? Everybody I don't know. It, it sounds like. Yeah. It sounds like a bunch of adults playing really, really 
tight pop rock. I'm not asking you for your evaluation of the album, having listened to it for the last. <laughs> no, I heard it. Years. I heard it. I think Scott and Joe were playing it in the van. Oh, when okay. we were on the road. What year did it come out? Ninety-two. Okay, so it was it was still in rotation. Yeah. You guys just played it all the time. It was good driving music. And it sounds great on a good system. It's just a, a well-recorded record. And uh, I would put it up there in my top 20 records of all time. Wow. In my, in my collection. Well, I've been listening to a lot of R.E.M. the last week. Uh, and I've been surrounded with people who have been, I've been listening to a lot of R.E.M. I've been getting that left and right. Um, so... Can I jump in for one second? Yes, please, Ben. Say, I, 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 can see, I can see that. <laughs> I've been experiencing the same thing myself. The one person I know who this didn't happen to or is my wife who listened to the podcast and was like, oh, I want it makes, it makes me want to listen to R.E.M. And, and she and I saw R.E.M. any number of times when we were in college together. But she was funny because she said, yeah, I tried to listen to all this R.E.M. after listening to the episode. And I was like, God, why did I ever listen to this shit? I hated it all. <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. She oh, she not, hated it. She, she did hated. not. She, she did not tap into her youthful R.E.M. love. Well, let's 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 help her out. Let, let I was thinking since there were so many songs and and I've been listening to so much REM. I'm like, you know, I should have picked this song. I should have picked that song. Let's do a a next steps. Something I don't know if we've done before, but we'll do a a what's the best draft day REM next steps deep cuts. I mean, not it doesn't have to be deep cuts, but your your next three. Yes, the next three. The next Four, five, three. and six. Sure. Ben, are you in? I'm in. Let's do this. What's the best? Now, who, who, get, who goes first? <laughs> Wait, Can it's, I tell it, you it, how many times I've heard in TV shows and movies people say Rochambeau over the last couple of weeks? It's <laughs> a thing, isn't it? <laughs> so I think based on last week... Who, wait. I go second. Gabe goes... Last and Ben goes first. I was last last week. You were last last week. So you go first. I go second. Ben goes last. That's fine. Because I was first. You were second. Yeah. See how it rotates back. I get it. I'm first. You're second. Ben's last. Well, la last week we had Jason went first. Yes, but we don't have Jason. No, I know, but I'm trying to remember what our order was after Jason. I mean, it was Jason. It was me. Because Gabe said, Scott, you go first. Because you were last last week right, and you got right. screwed. Okay. So I'm second this week. Ben's last. Gabe's first. Cool. All right. So what's the, what's the strategy here? Do you take your best song that didn't get drafted yet? Or do you take the song that you want to make sure nobody else will take? I don't know. My strategy is I'm, I'm going to pick songs from records that I didn't pick last time that was like that's my strategy too that is my okay. strategy all right. too. all right my strategy is i'm gonna pick a song that i think someone else might take and the other two i'm hoping you don't because this song is one that didn't get picked up i don't think i got a bad memory though don't go back to rockville Ooh. did anybody pick that no nobody did that one might be one of my top three really it, it almost made it mike mills wrote it i believe it Sounds like something you would do. But, That's but. not on automatic for the people. 
it's not. No, it's, it's not. not. It's on Reckoning. But I'm saving my stuff from what I make with people. Reckoning was my favorite for years. This song reminds me of them. How they sound like the Moody Blues. Mm, I think if you're going to go for a Moody Blues REM, you would go with Texarkana. Hold on but, a second. But go ahead. You say don't, Moody don't Moody go back to Rockville sounds like the Moody Blues? Yeah, I think you're not. Yeah, I think you're I mis- listening to that. Uh, you're not listening to that song correctly. <laughs> I'm using. Are you the, listening to it on on? Is there any? Is there a speed slower than thirty three and a third? <laughs> Do you have a turntable that goes any slower than that? I'm just saying. There's a there, there's a sound sometimes that REM does that I hear sounds like Moody Blues. Am I incorrect on that? Yeah. No. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Okay. Anyway, don't go back to Rockville. That's my song. Well, when you think of the Moody Blues, what song do you think of? I can't think of any that by name, but the song. You think of Nights and White Satin. No, not Nights and White Not Nights and White Satin. It's a different song. I'll find it later. What do you think of? Your Wildest Dreams? Or Lucky yes, it is like Wildest that. Dreams. Your Wildest Dreams. 80s Moody Blues is what you think Moody of. Blues. It is. That's the song. <laughs> Play it. You're missing out. Listen to the I mean, melody. That's, that's terrible. Like, when I think of Moody Blues, I think of, like... Lucky you know, Man. No, that's ELP. That's ELP. Are you crazy? That's oh. ELP. Same thing. So you've gone even further <laughs> off the rails than Gabe has. When I think of uh, Moody Blues, I think of Nights in White Satin. I think of cliffs. I think of, like, the wind blowing and the sea smashing up against the rocks. Well... REM Romance, does have some, some sea chanty type stuff as well. So sure. Anyway, but not. I'm, don't go back to Rockville. No, not, I'm not going go to convince you guys of this. But it's, it's a good. It's a good pick. But I shit on your pick. No, you can't. <laughs> I'm first, and I'm, my my pick will shit on yours. Okay. Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I. Uh, you know, speaking of shitting on, I feel like everybody kind of shat on. REM singles like you said something crazy uh you you said it's the end of the world it was goofy and that's why you didn't like document but you like green you think it's the end of the world is goofier than stand i do uh well no. i don't know that it's goofier then but i mm, like it isn't and I, I just don't it's not so much that it's goofy because REM has goofy songs and like, you know, even their Superman cover is plenty goofy, but I love oh, yeah. it. But uh, I just don't, I don't know. It, it's the end of the world as we know it reminds me, and this might this might get you to understand what I'm where I'm coming from. It reminds me of We Didn't Start the Fire. Yeah, but this was before We Didn't I understand. Start the Fire. And then, I and get it. Billy Joel was trying to, to re- reproduce yes. this energy with that. Sure. And that's why We Don't Start the Fire is so awful. And that's why we're going to make Rick Ness pick three Billy Joel songs tonight. Well, let's hope he doesn't pick that one. Okay, so so I, I wanted to pick a record that I'm not really a fan of, I never have been a fan of, and I wanted to pick a single from that record. And so I'm going with What's the Frequency, Kenneth? Mm. Mm-hmm.
it's a good one. Yeah, it is a good one. And um, something that happens every couple of years is I bump into some listicle. Is that what they call them? Yeah, yeah. Where somebody, usually it's AV Club, is trying to make the case for, yes, we know the second half of R.E.M.'s career is much maligned and, you know, everything after Automatic for the People, or especially after Bill Berry left the band, is garbage. But here's a list of songs from those albums that will convince you otherwise. And every couple of years I play the game and I listen to those songs that are on the AV Club list or whoever, New York Magazine, whatever the fuck. And I'm always like, no, these no, are no good. No, no, no. <laughs> but there was a guy that interviewed, <laughs> interviewed me once for the AV Club and he was trying to get me into Up. Uh-huh. And like, you know, he had, he had sent me a, a link He's like, you gotta listen to this. You gotta listen to this. And I tried a few times. And yeah, something about the AV Club and Up and all that reveal stuff. They love that shit. Yeah. So, but Jason kept talking. So we're done us. talking about what's the frequency, Kenneth? Yeah, I thought it was my turn now. Okay. Well, you want to keep going? But no, I thought is... we were going to talk about how he said, don't fuck with me on Saturday Night Live when they played it. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. And but they didn't get banned, those those fuckers no well he, he was able to hide it but you, you could see the look on his face and he knew he did it and he was waiting to see if he was going to get in trouble <laughs> okay well i'll have to go watch that yeah but anyway jason uh mentioned a few times in our podcast that there was this list of 40 songs uh each member of rem picked their 10 favorite songs right. from their career and I listened so, to that full list, by the way. And I did, too. And I've been listening to it off and on for the whole week. And that is the first compiled list that includes songs from the dark years of R.E.M. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a good song. And, yeah. oh, yeah, this is a good song. I'm like, oh, these guys actually are picking what apparently are the good songs from that phase of their career. So for the first time ever, maybe I'm just open to it. I'm like, oh yeah, there's some good stuff. So I'm going to pick one of those songs as well. I don't even know what album this is from. You can maybe don't tell do me. It. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> You're gonna steal. Ben's going to steal. Here it comes. I'm going to pick the song. And for a very specific, obvious Ben Riser reason, uh, living well is the best revenge. Ah, is the song I'm picking, and it's because it has the most outrageously blatant rip-off guitar uh, thing from Answering Machine, the replacement song. And he does it all through the fucking song, and it's like, oh, he's playing Answering Machine. And, you know, and he's playing the rock version of Answering Machine, right. which replacements right, right, right. a lot. Uh, and it's great. Uh, it's a song I've heard before and, and made note of that before, but... Hearing it on that list this week, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a good song. And it's yeah. got this replacements connection. All right. Gabe Rodriguez. It's my turn. Oh, which one do I pick here? I want to I'm going to go not from Automatic for the People. I'm going to steal this one. Maybe it's going to steal it. Don't do it. I just realized, by the way, that <laughs> Superman was a cover. I didn't realize it today, but I realized it like a couple months ago. That would have been my pick. Because that's that's a good song. I think that's okay. I almost picked a few covers. I didn't. But that's not my song. That's not my song. But my song is. Is it okay to pick a cover if one wanted to? I guess. I mean, Superman is. You know, like Pale Blue Eyes, uh, King of the Road. Those are I always crazy from Pylon would be a, a great one. All right, my song is Orange Crush. Oh wow. 
Orange Crush. Great song. Orange Crush. I'm picking up hits, as you know. Here's the thing. Like, when Orange Crush came out, I thought it sounded a little too much like U2. But I have really come around on Orange Crush last week. Last yep. week? Oh, yeah. Been really into it. And I, I think that's Justine's favorite R.E.M. song, too. Was that written by Mike Mills, too? Uh, he definitely sings half, half the vocals. Yeah, I'm pick, most of my songs have him, you know, in the forefront, or at least in the midfront. All right. Yeah, Who's okay. I like, I Me. endorse that pick. That's my favorite song that you've picked so far, Gabe, I think. Okay. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it down, way, way down. And this is, this is on uh, Adventures in Hi-Fi. One oh, those, look at you, look at you. Those records. And this is the one I thought Gabe was going to take, uh, Electrolyte. Your eyes are burning, oh, yeah. yeah. I almost picked that one. That's another thought, great one from the list. I thought you were going to take that. I mean, it's such a, it's right up there with the songs on uh, Automatic for the People, as far as beauty and just that kind of thing that they do. Well, what's funny is it reminds me of one of the U2 songs that I picked, uh, Ultraviolet. Um, maybe it's just the title, you know. But, Electrolyte, Ultraviolet, yeah. yeah. Is Ultraviolet on Octum? Yeah. No. It's just the title. They don't <laughs> yeah. sound alike at all. No, no. No. It's just the title. But yeah, that's a total jam on that record, a total standout. I think yeah. I dug it when you sent it to me. I, I never heard it before, and I, I dig it. I like it. It'll yeah. go on my playlist. Oh, you sent it to Gabe. Interesting. I figured you knew it. I figured you just go, whatever. How, how did I? How did neither one of you react to? Uh, or maybe we can talk about this next week. That clip I sent you of Billy Joel doing "Start Me Up." <laughs> I didn't play it. <laughs> yeah, you're missing out, dude. Oh, man. Please play it right now. <laughs> yeah. All right, I think it's your turn. It's my turn? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I- I'm, done with the, I'm done with the progressive late REM career picks. I'm back okay. down to the, the good stuff. Uh, Harbor Coat. Ooh. It's a good one. I don't have anything to say about it. Just one of the classics. Is it Gabe's turn? Are, are we at our final pick? Uh, Is it? It's Gabe's turn. No, it's Gabe's turn, and then we have our all of our finals. I think. Oh no, no that no, is my. No. Uh, I did. I no, did two. Did. I have you one did more two. to go. Did everybody right. get two songs? Okay. That's what Scott. the final means. You've done. Scott. There's three. We're back right. to you, Scott. You're you're the first one. Oh yeah, they're right. Yeah. No, Gabe's the first one. I'm second. I was first last time. Okay. Remember? Wow, how did I get so lost? <laughs> Again. Can't get there from here. Okay, my last pick is something from Automatic for the People. Oh, wow. Look at this guy. I'm going to go out of limb. Better not be sweet as follows. <laughs> I just know. I, I, we've never brought this guy up in, in, the, in the podcast, but it's also Rick Beato's favorite R.E.M. song. Who? <laughs> Rick Beato. He's a famous YouTuber who shows people how to play guitar and learn yeah, songs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who that is. You don't? No. I'm okay. not just pretending to be Gabe. I, I don't know. I don't know. 
He's I a, know a, who he is, but I'm afraid to tell you why. I'm an adult. I don't sit there and watch YouTube all day like you do. I'm not going to talk about when I watch YouTube, but it's it, sometimes you got to pass the time when you're sitting at your desk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll this song, the song is Try Not to Breathe. Really? Yes. It's got that, it's got that uh, waltz. It's got that, uh, yeah. you got to hide your love away, one, two, three. Uh, yeah, a little bit. And, I mean... Uh, this is this is the first one where I gotta say nah. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna say yes. I, I agree with myself on this. One. No, no. No, I mean, if you had said sweetness follows, I'd be like, oh, dude, you. you. No, sweetness. Oh, it's killer. It's good. It's good. But this one, the, the vocal performance alone, I like it. I thought you were gonna say Monty got a raw deal. <laughs> no. Wait. Well, so you be- you learned how to play this from the guy from. The guitar YouTube? I don't understand. Why does he, why, why got to give him a shout this out? This dude's got like 5 million, maybe 10 million subscribers, and he just talks about music. That's it. So mm. He'll show you how to play songs. He'll show you his take on music and stuff. It's pretty interesting. I'm surprised you haven't heard of him. What's his name? Rick Beato. Oh, Beato. No, I, no idea. All right. Now you'll have to catch up with the rest of us. I'm sure I will someday. My number three choice, because you were talking smack about document, Ben. Welcome mm-hmm. to the occupation. Hang your collar up inside. Hang your dollar on me. Listen to the water still. Listen to the causeway. You don't like finest work song. Maybe you don't like end of the world as we know it. I like Those finest. Songs I together. like finest work song. I'm not a huge finest work song fan. Didn't you pick it? Ooh, didn't somebody pick it? I picked week? it. This is my pick. <laughs> no, you didn't pick it. Jason picked it. I thought I picked it. No, he agreed. <laughs> he concurred with my pick. No, he picked it. You didn't pick finest work song. I picked it. No, you didn't. Yes, no, did. you didn't. You didn't pick it. I think ben. he went. I think I. I think Jason went first, and that was his first pick. No, his first pick was the one I wanted, South Central Rain. Oh, okay. Well, then I don't remember who picked it. No, I do. It was Jason. Go. You're gonna at this point. We're gonna play that bit of the episode, and you're gonna look like a f- fool. I don't think so. I think I picked it, and he concurred. Anyway, I don't remember this. Uh, and I walked into a record store and bought Document, and brought it back home, and put the needle down and finest work song came on and i was like i'm all in with this band uh so finest work song would be my next pick you look like a fool what movie is that ben i don't know yes 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 yes. and you look like a fool Hmm. Who's the actor? Jack Nicholson. I can hear you. Oh, it, it, it's um, it's uh, uh, there will be blood. There will be blood. Yes. Thank you. Took me a minute to get into you, Daniel. Hey, everybody! It's Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> you look like a fool. 
All right. It was Daniel Day Lewis doing his John Huston, and I watched very John, John Huston. I yeah. watched a John Huston movie today, The Misfits. Um, Ooh, which is leaving. He's not in it though. No, but it's he directed it. Okay. Uh, Speaking of William Freakin. R.I.P. William Freakin. Okay, whose choice is it? It's mine. Then gets the last pick. Wow. This went fast, huh? Um, Doesn't have to take all night. My last pick is Driver 8. Wow. Driver 8. You know who I heard came up with that guitar riff? Bill Paul Barry. Westerberg. Oh, Bill Berry. <laughs> Bill Berry. Bill Berry. Can, I'll tell you uh, one of the things about Chronic Town. Uh, it's not like Chronic Town. I know. But one of the things about Chronic Town that endeared <laughs> me and all my friends to it immediately was the back cover. Because the back cover of Chronic Town has a picture of the four of them. And on that, in that picture, Bill Berry looks exactly like my friend Chad, who we named our band after a couple of years later. Um, and so we were always, every time we looked at that picture of R.E.M., we thought, oh, there's Chad in R.E.M. You had a band called Chad? <laughs> no, it's all about Chad. Yeah, we had a band called All then About they Chad. changed it to Hanging Chad. <laughs> hey, speaking of, okay, that's it, that's it. Do we do the what's the best? What's the best? What's the best? All right, speaking of, we we never asked how your uh, your piano gig went a couple of weeks ago. How'd it go? Oh, thanks for asking. It, it, <laughs> people seem to like it. I could not have done Did Mike Mills show up? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Uh, uh, but we did, I did, uh, the woman who was hosting this, it was a weird thing. It was like an inter, a live interview show. Where she interviewed me, and then I played songs in between questions on the piano. Who was interviewing you? This woman, her name is Stephanie Rierick. Uh, she's a vocalist and a pianist. Um, and she, I, and long long ago, I I think I almost told this story because we were talking. Oh, maybe maybe we're going to talk about it tonight, so I'll cut this part out. But uh, I got asked to do a big star cover for a big star tribute album and so i did i and all of the every single big star song had already been taken by other people who right. were asked to be on this compilation so i wound up deciding to do this song i think it's off of the second album called morpha 2 it's uh-huh. just like a one minute little piano song very pretty song but a complicated piano part and so i i knew stephanie at the time and i asked her if she would figure out how to play it on piano and I would just sing it and she played piano which she did she also sang harmonies and more for too small you're gonna hurt yourself I might call my call and now my need some help I'm an old shoe and I don't know what to do I'm in love with you Katie asked me 
she wound up recording her own solo version of that cover and putting it on an album later on and they decided not to use my cover at all and never made never wound right. up anywhere and what's her name stephanie last what's name? the last name Rerick, r-e-a-r-i-c-k you know what i think stephanie Rerick was my summer girlfriend from canada this this person sounds made up to me <laughs> this whole thing sounds like hey everybody it's rick ness Rick, that's what. That is quite a library, I didn't professor. Clap very much. It, <laughs> I clap. You couldn't see the hole. Okay, I need to see it. It was inside. <laughs> is it light out where you that, are? That what, what's, what's going on? What's going on behind you? Um, it's 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 light out. Here. <laughs> it is not light out. We're not in different time zones. Um, do you want me to put this on the dark setting? No. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's fake. You you're not. Okay, so you bought that. You actually thought this was my library. Yes. <laughs> Even with this bright <laughs> daylight. That's what I was trying to get to the bottom of it. You know, you can yeah, make little. You, you can make, I would have to be in Hawaii for it to be light up. You can make videos and use videos as your background. And my friend made a video of his actual kitchen where he normally zooms from. But him walking every every five minutes or so, him walking through the room. So I'm oh. on a Zoom meeting with him, and I'm talking to him. He's sitting like Rick is sitting, and then like five minutes into this thing, all of a sudden he walks past himself, and I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" That, that's brilliant. That's, yeah. that, that, that's, that's your mind. That's annoying, is what that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's well, just somebody being an asshole. Yeah, I don't know if you're being interviewed by somebody you don't like. Wow. Uh, that yeah with somebody that's on acid <laughs> <laughs> have you interviewed anybody on acid either yourself or them have they been on acid oh i see yes uh on acid <laughs> we're gonna cut this out but yes we we <laughs> together we went to <laughs> rooms it was great you did you're kidding yeah we, we were really going did. down there and we had some <laughs> and like what are we going to do with these? I go, I don't know. Should we eat them? He's like, yeah, what the hell? Pops it in his mouth. I go, okay, I guess I'm doing it too. I mean, I, I heard that dude was laid back, but that's, yeah, that's impressive. Oh, he's he's laid back. Speaking of drugs, I, I went to the, the Cinematheque, um, and I didn't see you there, uh, Ben, but I went to the uh, Valley of the Dolls. Uh, I was there. I didn't see you, you there. Oh, no, no. Huh? I went to Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I missed Valley of the Dolls. I was at both. Yeah. Oh, well, I was there with you at okay. Beyond. Oh, I looked around for you. I didn't see you. I didn't look around for you because you didn't tell me you were coming. But I've been we meaning to get in those touch two with movies you. here in Chicago too at the at the University of Chicago. What's? Oh, maybe there's a thing. I just uh, thought it was funny that it was sponsored. I, I guess you got yeah. the fun from the pharmacy school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's what happened at University of Chicago. Also, the pharmacy department, the School of Pharmacy, sponsor. I mean. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is a crazy fucking movie for the School of Pharmacy to sponsor. <laughs> it's that's it's insane. Yeah. Remember when uh, Rolling Stones played at uh, Double Door, Rick? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they end up walking me in, and I watched the show from behind the bar, and I was standing right behind Roger Ebert. So at a certain point in between songs, I, I tap Roger on the shoulder. He turns to me. I go. 
Roger, I'm a big fan, and I absolutely love Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. And he looks at me, and he goes, great movie, and tips his glasses up, and then turns around, and that's all he said. <laughs> he was on shrooms that you night. You should see that's the Rolling Stones at Doubledore, and it freaks me out. Yeah, right, exactly. So what is this, a new Fig Dish record? What's going on? Um, it's a new old Fig Dish record, you could say. You could say. Yeah. So it's a, it's a collection. So the, the album features songs um, from two different sessions. One is the uh, third album that we made with uh, Andy Gerber, uh, and that's about the time we, we were getting dropped. So that, uh, uh, that stuff uh, never came out, although a couple of songs were repurposed by Mike and Blake for Caviar, and then uh, a couple songs were repurposed by me for the, for the Nest Band project. And so there, I think there's about four tracks from those sessions. And then the other tracks are from the uh, When Shove Goes Back to Push session. Oh, really? Yeah. That uh, Gerber also did. So it's all, all of the stuff is recorded by Andy. So, I mean, how were you, uh, who did the sequencing on it? Um, we kind of did it together, kind of over email, uh, probably pri primarily Andy did he kind of had the i think the best idea for the sequencing but we were so it was a kind of a <clears throat> long kind of randomish process so basically um forge again records reached out to us and they actually wanted to do vinyl reissues of the first two fig dish records and <clears throat> we said sure great and then um we realized that actually getting somebody at universal music in the legal department on the phone to talk phone, yeah. about a licensing deal with a band that nobody gives a shit about and probably nobody even knows about anymore. That was proving to be a Herculean task. So we uh -huh. said, okay, <laughs> if we don't get a lawyer, um, you know, um, who knows somebody over there, this is, this is gonna, um, so, so we haven't abandoned that project. It's just gonna take a while. So we decided we can, uh, we can actually release this unreleased material and, um, Forge Again Records were kind of enthusiastic about that. So we considered making it a double album because uh, we have a, like over, I think we have about 25 uh, right. of these tracks. Um, <clears throat> and we, uh, we thought about doing a double album just because it would be kind of, I don't know, bold and obnoxious to uh -huh. do it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember the conversation about like, I was, I was at Million Yen and yeah. Gerber's like, yeah, no, they're talking about putting out a double, and I just like, just go with the best songs and do a single. It's just too much for people to listen to. But I I have two questions already. First of all, isn't it a double-edged sword that if you if you can't get Universal to even recognize you, can't you don't you feel like you could just put those re-releases out and they would never exactly never exactly. Anyway? It, it, yeah, I mean, we could, and we could probably get a, get away with that. Um, uh, but there's a chance. It was really pushing for that. We would just have to uh, master remaster it from the CDs. Okay. But, but then my other question: Do you think? Do you think that there are original tapes around? Because our original tapes aren't around. I think they were destroyed in that fire. And I'll bet you your tapes were destroyed in that fire. Yeah, we too. don't even know. We don't even know. We might not even have access, but we would still legally, we would still need um, uh, to license the stuff. And legally, legally, what what is legally really? All this legalese. <laughs> well, here's my other question: Am I to understand? Oh, that wasn't two questions. I said I had two. 
I thought that was two. What was the second part of that question? I wasn't listening to the first one. So. Go ahead with your second um, one. Are you saying that the only tracks from this unreleased third album that you're putting on this thing are the ones that didn't get repurposed for those two other projects? That's true. Oh. Wait, was the next batch on, that wasn't on the Nest record? Um, that was not on the Nest record. That, that song is actually called oh. the Ragged Ones. Some of these working titles, for some reason, stuck o- over the years. I call it the next batch. I think it was the next batch on my cassette. I'm just glad the next batch. If you want to call not it the that, rag that's, ones. That's, 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 I do. It's not, it's I, not I, that. I don't understand why, why you're not getting that I want to call it the next batch. I, I get that you want to call it. I'm just telling you that it's not called that. <laughs> you're In your welcome mind. to call it that. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> oh, am I? Okay. Well, anyway, the next batch. I'm glad it's finally seeing the light of day.
You up to speed now, Ben? I, I think so. Yeah. You, you, you hey, better? listen, I I don't have a fucking 30-year relationship with Fig Dish and Rick. I mean, I kind of have right. listened to them for 30 okay. years. Okay, that's all right. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're up to speed. Well, you know, so anyway, this show is going out to people. Now let's talk about the fourth recap. record. Send, send Thank you. Too. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Ness. So you're you're the third member of Fig Dish that we've had on this show, which means we've had more people from Fig Dish than any other band, right, Gabe? And we've had two people from Triple Fast. No, there was another band. What was it? Jesus. Name it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> why why does that warrant a Jesus? I can't think I, I, I got well, the with all those drummers who've been in every band. another band. Jesus, Scott. Get it together. What about right to the accused? Does that count? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. You and rights to the cues, Rick. Okay. So we're, so are you, is this some honor you're bestowing on us? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I I appreciate that. So we're sort of, I want to get your side of the story here is what I'm trying to say. Like later on, we can make a special fig dish episode. Also known as, and Ben can go through and edit everybody's like sort of like a, it, uh, an oral history. Well, oh, honestly, that uh, edit is all going to be about what do you remember about touring with Ruth Ruth? Because I just listened to the Blake Smith episode <laughs> and I'm like, that's all we fucking talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Ruth Ruth. Is Ruth. your memory of Ruth Ruth is that those guys wouldn't go out drinking with you and they stayed in a hotel room and played cards and didn't talk to you? Um, Vaguely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. I understand it's not as fun as the shit in the hotel story that <laughs> Right to the Accused talks about, but it's <laughs> it's the other legend or whatever that we're. That's what with. you want to talk. Nah, about. not really. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So let's start at the beginning of Fig Dish here, Rick. You all went to high school together. Uh, that's true. Yeah. We, Go on. We went to high school together. Yeah, we were in bands together um, <clears throat> in high school. And uh, when I was a junior, Andy, uh, Mike and I are the same age and Andy and Blake are uh, a year older than, than us. So I was in a band with, with uh, Andy and and Blake when I was a junior. Then they left to college. And then I, I started a band with Blake. Sorry, I started a band with Mike. I hope I don't do this all night. Um, That's why. <laughs> um yeah, uh, and we've sort of played together during summers when we were in college, and then uh, after college, we we just started um, recording uh, stuff. We we put out a, a single. Um, it was actually the Rollover Please single. We put that out with a, a ha- on a indie label called Happy Tales Records, and mm-hmm. that actually surprisingly did better than we ever imagined it would it charted on you know uh cmj and you know we're looking at these charts and it was like uh you know know, sugar you know fig dish (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) um and then uh so so that so that that helped and then we put out um another single um on uh, liquid meat records uh for bury me and nimble and um we recorded those tracks with brad wood and we we actually didn't really have much money so we, and uh the sessions took a little bit longer than than we thought they would take even though they didn't even take very long but um so we did these sessions we recorded a four song demo and then 
we realize, okay, we owe Brad Wood like $2,000. Um, <laughs> how, how are we going to do this? So we decided to start a, a cover band and to play shows because you could get paid more as a cover band. So we started a band called D Divine Intervention, <laughs> which was... Uh, wait, wait, what? So you, well, we were what we were Mike, doing is we were playing like... Michael Sweet. Yeah, it was named Matthew, yeah, Matthew exactly. Sweet. Matthew Sweet. Matthew Sweet. Michael Sweet was in Striper. Striper. <laughs> that, that which makes more sense. Divine intervention. Striper to uh, hell. Divine intervention is the name of Matthew Sweet's song, so it makes perfect sense as is. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, we we kind of needed both some, things would make sense. You're right, Gabe. Um, <laughs> to to pay to pay this uh, recording bill, but um, so we were just playing. So you guys are doing gigs at like at, at like what at uh, Shuba's Cubby Bear? You were doing Shuba's with the with the twenty five cent beers, and you were making a thousand dollars a night. Uh, Blake Smith told us this story. Wait, that was Shuba's? I, I thought it was, it was Bear. at Cubby Bear. Oh, Cubby Bear. Sorry, Cubby Bear. Uh -huh. Yeah. All right, Shuba's would calm never down, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um she she was was actually in the business of, of booking good bands uh yeah. <laughs> right. they, they weren't gonna have d divine intervention uh just you know <laughs> disgrace their stage so why you've got figdish going on you've got a clandestine side hustle called divine intervention going on i mean it depends and if you want to define it as side hustle i mean in some ways it was the main hustle. yeah <laughs> right your, your point is well there yeah yeah. So pe were people like the the wiser? Were people? We like, were not hey. advertising this fact. The, yeah, we weren't saying, "Hey, here's Fig Dish at the Metro featuring members of Divine Intervention." <laughs> that was not happening. Um, so yeah, uh -huh. we were definitely keeping this on the DL, and uh, but we were able to get better paying gigs. I mean, you pay like your twenty five cent beer night on a Tuesday at at Cubby Bear, and you get these people coming from the Cubs games, and the place is packed. They don't give a shit who we are they don't know who we are they're just like oh they're playing that creep song i love that song so um mm -hmm. yeah so it was it was like that and we were able to play a couple of parties um <clears throat> i think once we managed to get a wedding gig once and then they were uh -huh. started we were starting to get paid like a thousand dollars for a show when usually when figdish played we would like you know 50 bucks <laughs> you know? uh -huh. you'd play like uh you you'd play like thurston's you know and you know uh you try to get as many tickets with your your name circled as it as right as you could okay it looks like you brought in 26 people you know here's right here's 40 dollars um <clears throat> minus the drinks you drank so you get zero um <laughs> but uh so so yeah um that's uh that's how we made money we actually started calling it grand rock <laughs> it's the only way we could make a thousand dollars uh playing a rocket oh i see get you okay grand rock um but we were able to pay off uh pay our bill so brad wood was happy and we were able to go in and make another uh another demo at info what was on that demo that demo um, had uh, seeds on it. <clears throat> that was the that was the easy lover demo. Um, the first demo right. we did was the chum demo, and then we did the the easy lover demo, and that had seeds and um, I think chew toy was on that. Um, so there's the easy lover demo. There's the chum demo, yeah. and where does Gabe's favorite demo uh, unleash the kraken? Unleash the kraken come in. <clears throat> 
I'm going <laughs> to talk to lawyers. <laughs> he, he will not confirm or deny that it exists. Hey, I'm, I've, I may have heard um, <laughs> of what you're talking about. Some people may have heard this album. Um, I I don't know. I think Frankly, I don't want night, to know. I think one night uh, the entire audience at the Metro heard it. Um, it's it, the entire oh oh that's right yeah so um <laughs> yeah we we still have some some monkey business to work out <laughs> you you're gonna pay for that <laughs> so I hope you realize these guys are setting not, up Scott it might not be tomorrow it might not be next week it's true I watch my back a lot it, it's cool it's you're, gonna, you're not the only one get in line <laughs> but. They're setting up meeting with you. <laughs> you guys were setting up, and I put in the Unleash the Kraken demo. I think it was Gabe's idea, actually, so you should go after Gabe. But I put it in, and your head pops up like a deer. You're just like, what is that? <laughs> and then you run off stage. You come back into the booth. You grab it out of the CD player and you break it right in front of my face and you just give me this look like I dare you say one goddamn word I dare you <laughs> and then you throw it down and you go back up on stage and you start plugging in yeah yeah that was an intense moment <laughs> I'm, I'm fond of that memory too Scott <laughs> for different reasons though <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, so then you guys get signed. Um, well, sort of. Uh, yeah, I mean, we did eventually. Um, we we kind of. It was not. It was challenging to get signed. There was a. Um, we had <laughs> okay. to. We had to slay a lot of dragons uh, uh -huh. to, to get signed. Well, many. You, you really are a teacher of literature, aren't you? We many of these dragons were of our own making. Um, but but you but you remember. I mean, we so. We were uh, so we were doing this divine intervention thing, and then we um, we were playing a show. We decided, and I think you remember this. We decided to play a show um, of uh, with triple fast action, nectarine, and the hush drops, and we were each going to play a, one side from Neil Diamond's Hot August Nights. Uh -huh. um, and so, uh, and I mean, great album. Uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> it's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer i mean the stage she's the goddamnedest woman you ever seen yeah um greatest inscription on a on a on a on a rock album but anyway we play uh so we decide to play this we we each learn a side and then we learn that some a and r people from columbia and gaffin are coming to the show and of course the three other bands uh who were smart said we're not gonna do these uh neil diamond songs <laughs> we're gonna play our songs so the a and r people who might uh, like us can can hear it right it's another approach and then there's us and we say right. we're, we're gonna play the neil diamond songs in fact let's just play our favorite neil diamond song so we just like we made a, a list of just like eight or nine neil diamond songs we uh um <clears throat> you know we played uh you know i am i said uh, america i think we opened with america at any oh, of course you did yeah <laughs> like you do um <laughs> and these 
A and R people were were kind of offended by it, and you know, like, are you kidding me? You are not gonna get on your knees, <laughs> thank us for being here, kiss the right, and play um, the best show uh, of your own material. Um, but we, yeah, we didn't we didn't do that. So um, we really, uh, I think we got blacklisted or something because we we couldn't get arrested for a little while, <laughs> uh, and. Uh, Good thing you had divine intervention. We had divine intervention to fall back on things. Yeah. But like a, a future of that, I mean, like, you know, kind of want to. It was fun for a while, but like, <laughs> you don't want to be, you don't want to be forced. So do you, that. do you actually think Triple Fast and Nectarine and Hush Drops actually learned Neil Diamond songs or were they just like, you know, yeah, yeah, sure. I don't sure. know if they actually. I assume it was your idea. Uh, uh, yeah, it was. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It, but uh, they, they, I don't know if they did. I, I have no evidence that they did. They, they, they said they were going to, and then they said they, they weren't. I'll bet they, you when you went to the bathroom, they all looked at each other and said, well, we're not doing that. <laughs> not doing that. Um, no, no. So... Uh, we uh so what happened after that um what happened after that oh yeah so uh realize that okay we're we're not going to get anybody's attention if, in, unless we resort to like lies and, and deception <laughs> so um i got the names of uh a few uh a and r people um and sent them uh demo tapes with fake notes in them um <clears throat> to the effect of like um Hey, uh, you know, saw this band uh, at CBGB's. Um, they were outstanding. It seems like totally your cup of tea. You should check them out. Um, you know, and just sign, you know, Steve or, or John. And uh, and so I sent it to three. I didn't want to overdo it because I didn't want, you know, I didn't want people to realize it was a ruse. So you didn't want a bidding war or anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> Who wants a bidding war? Um, so- Send it to three people on the on the East Coast, three people on the West Coast. Um, and I didn't tell the other guys about it because I, I kind of just wanted it to be a surprise. And I get a call. Uh, Blake's name, Blake's number was on the on the demo. So 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 people called him and then I get a call one day from him. He's like, dude, you, you'll never guess. I got a um, I got a call from Tom <laughs> Carolyn from Atlantic, he, you know, the guy that signed Pearl Jam. I'm like, oh, cool. And that's one of the guys I sent it to. Uh, and uh, he's like, yeah, he's uh, it was weird. He got this tape from somebody he didn't know. Um, and, you know, he's like, I don't know who this Steve guy is, but uh, he's like, anyway, I, I, I love the I love the demo. Uh, let, let's talk. And I, I'm just like, I can't I can't believe like how that worked so much the way I imagined. <laughs> you, feel like you imagine how things might turn out and then it doesn't quite turn out that way. Blake had no idea. He, he had no idea until I told him on that during that phone call. And he said, no, that, so that, that was actually was me. Reaction. You fucking freak. <laughs> and then, so of the six people I sent it to, we got responses from two of them. That's pretty good. One of them signed us. <laughs> wow. It, which who, who was Andrew Brightman from Polygram. Andrew Brightman, right. It's, we asked Mike about this. It was on Wikipedia that, like, within three weeks of signing, you guys were in the studio making the first record. It was pretty quick. Yeah, we were. I think we signed in December, um, <clears throat> it, it was late December, 
Uh, it may, I mean, it may have even been er, early January. I mean, I know we got the offer in December. It may have been early January when we actually signed the contract. Uh, we might have actually done that for for tax reasons. But yeah, we were in the studio in by the third week of January in um, <laughs> Dreamland in New York. So it was like in October, we're like November, we're like what we have no freaking idea <laughs> what's going to happen in the next few months. Like our, our future was very uncertain. And then, you know, a couple months later. Right. You know. So Lou Giordano produced the record mm -hmm. and he, um, I mean, he was, he was great. Um, he, uh, he went to MIT, uh, got his engineering degree there, super smart, very knowledgeable. Um, <clears throat> but he came out, he flew out to, to our house. We, we rehearsed in, I, we had a studio in my, in the basement of my house at the time. And he came out and worked with us for a week. Um, a lot of the songs weren't demoed, uh, and were you at Club Shakespeare at, at this Club point? Shakespeare, yeah. So he flew out to see us at Club Shakespeare. Um, uh, ben, I should thank you. Mention Club Shakespeare was where uh, 
Rick lived. I had a, I had you a lived- flat in, in Bucktown uh, in Chicago. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was on Shakespeare Street. Which, and you lived there with Andy, which was right next to Dickens Street, which was next to Homer Street. It was sort of just wow, randomly put together some authors, um, and uh, yeah, so we ended up getting dubbed Club Shakespeare. But that's where we rehearsed, right? Yeah. Re- remember that time you and I we left Smart Bar, and we were going to Club Shakespeare for an after party. And we had those, I don't know who that they were, like those two girls. down, Scott. <laughs> that time we left Metro to go to Shakespeare. Hold on, you might remember. And, and, and we ended up ignoring them and listening to uh, 157 Riverside Avenue by Ario Speedwagon over and over. And <laughs> you and I were just laughing our asses off about how great this song is. You know, with the scatting and everything. And these two girls were like, these guys are nerds. We're out of here. Uh-huh. And we were like, see ya. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> no, no to your to your younger fans, if if you wanna um, get rid of, <laughs> of women really quickly, put on Aria Speedwagon's 157 Riverside Avenue and start laughing to it. Which, in my opinion, oh my god, we're such idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't regret it one bit. I don't either. I'd do it again. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we we actually re- we played that at the first Halloween show at, at Double Door. <laughs> yes. we, we we played. You, we were Aria. You, I know you in that fucking wig. Remember, Gabe, <laughs> you in that Kevin Cronin wig was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. The most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. I'm, I'm honored. Like a Berenstein bear or something like that. What's that? You look like a Berenstein bear or something like that in that thing. And you walk in the room, you're like, hey, and I just start doubling over laughing. And you're like, well, it's not that funny, is it? Yeah, I guess it was pretty funny. And even even the song was funny until minute eight. And then. <laughs> And then, because the, this is like a 13-minute song. I mean, this right. this is Kevin Cronin after he's done two, like, number two pencil-sized lines of cocaine, and he right. gets on stage. Mind you, it was the 80s, people. Yeah, he's just, like, diarrhea of the mouth, you know? And, <laughs> is it, I mean, is it worth going into the quote-unquote plot of, of the story? <laughs> he tells, like, he's, hey, um... You know, uh, he's sitting uh, in, in, in this house in the Hollywood Hills with this beautiful lady by my side. Uh, I've got uh, a glass of wine in one hand and, you know, a big old J I'm token off in the other. <laughs> right. That's a recorded version. My brother actually saw him live, saw uh, Ario live once and he said, I had a glass of wine in one hand and Ario spelled out in cocaine on the table. <laughs> <laughs> so an, an interesting variant for for all of you yes yeah um so yeah, he's got to change it up a little bit you gotta you gotta change it up a little um and then uh, otherwise otherwise rick your audience will get bored they look at and they and they did you have to cha- you have to challenge your audience <laughs> oh trust me we challenged them very seriously with that song right um and uh yeah um and then uh, their their guitarist Gary Richrath calls Kevin up on the phone, and uh, back to the story. You know there ain't 
nobody who talks like the guitar the way Gary does. And so they're having this conversation, and then Kevin Cronin starts. I mean, can you even call it scatting? It's some kind of weird bastardization of scatting. He just starts going, you know, do 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 do. I mean, calling that scatting, like like Mel Torme would be like, are you, are you, how dare you call that scatting? <laughs> if it's not scatting, what is it? <laughs> I mean, it's a different kind of. If we can be、uh, use our imaginations with what scatting could mean. You know,、yeah. <laughs> it could be something. He was talking a lot of you know what, and、right. um, so、uh, yeah, and then so he keeps he starts doing that, and then Gary Richrath, the guitar player, is just doing call and response, right? So do, right, do 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 do. do. Wait, 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 wait. This goes on. This goes on five minutes. I think I heard a variation of the story. Ten times in the last twenty, thirty years, and that's bringing back uh, uh, nightmares. Yeah, nightmares, probably. <laughs> say. Not probably not bringing back pleasant memories. <laughs> But yeah, I suppose another. I don't know. I don't, is that a bad decision or a good decision? Was the Neil Diamond show? Well, the thing about the Neil Diamond show is that、uh, at the end of the year, I think this we did this like in the spring of. of '94,、um, and、uh, at the end of the year, the Illinois Entertainer wrote、um, uh, there was an article on the 20 most memorable moments from Chicago rock in '94,、uh. and our performance of an all Neil Diamond set was on that list. I think Gwen Inat wrote that. What was it, Gwen? I always thought it was Mike, Michael C. Harris. But <laughs> was that song a staple of the REO live set, or was it more of a rarity? Oh no, it was a staple. It was, it was for a while, yeah. So it was late seventies, early eighties. Ben, do yourself a favor. Do not pass go. Go directly to eleven fifty-seven Riverside Avenue. Oh, ring the bell. Oh yeah, and step inside. Good headphones. I can't wait for you to hear it. Yeah, it's going to change your life. <laughs> we're all going to be hearing it on this episode as we're telling the story. <laughs> so let's just make the con- make make sure the conversation about one fifty seven Riverside Avenue is not as long as one fifty seven Riverside Avenue. <laughs> no, no, it's about eleven. You know, eleven something. Okay, eleven and change. <clears throat> this is going to be like a commentary track as the song is playing. Sure, sure, we can do that. So then you guys are on a tour. You're out there playing with all the big, huge bands on the big, huge tours. <laughs> you, you make it sound so exciting.、Um, yeah,、uh, wasn't it? So yeah, we went. We after we finished the record, yeah, we went. We went on tour. We toured with Veruca Salt、um, and the Muffs、mm. and oh, right. the, the late great、um, Kim Shattuck. Kim. Yeah. And、um, yeah, and that that was our first tour,、uh, and then we we toured.、Uh, I think we toured a little bit after that with.、Um, Uh, we 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 did a yeah we did a bunch of touring over the next over the next two two three years we, we Ned's Atomic Dustbin and Ned Letters to Cleo and Sponge Letters to Cleo and uh, <clears throat>、um, Sponge uh, uh, 
cheap trick. We played a leg of one of their tours. Uh, really? Yeah, and we we played with you in Triple Fast Action. I was actually I was actually cracking up earlier today because I was remembering there, this was the tour that we did with you in Triple Fast Action, uh. <clears throat> and I think we were playing Toronto, and Wes was was dressed as the bunny. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but this is etched into my brain. So we were playing See Me, Feel Me uh, and listening to you by, by, by The Who uh, as our closer. And Wes, you know, he was our guitar tech for this tour. Um, and uh, so he would put, no, actually he wasn't guitar teching for us. He was, no, well, it, 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 what it was, was it was you, us, and Veruca Salt. And so Wes did come out guitar tech and he was okay the okay. that's suit. right that's right okay thanks for clarifying right um so he puts on the bunny suit and he's our guitar tech right so he's handing and there's no explanation for why this who is that guy in the bunny suit right um and right. so he's handing us our guitars and then for the final song we play see me feeling um and he comes out and he sings it right and then right. you know and he would be really dramatic about it right which is exactly how he should be. And he picks up the microphone stand and he's, you know, he starts singing, see me. And then as he, right after he sings that, the bass, that lead bass of the microphone stand falls off. It wasn't fully screwed on, falls and it hits a, one of the bouncers in the head. <laughs> right. He was one of those yeah. guys standing in front of the stage and Hits him on the head, and the guy is just out like a light. He just falls down like, like a wet rag. And Wes actually manages to apologize to the guy, like in between lyrics. So he just, no, you know, right. see me, bonk. Sorry, dude. Feel me. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't even. So must go on. And I'm just sitting there. This guy is just, this poor guy just passed out. And it was big too. I mean, those those microphone stands are heavy. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the heavy ones. <laughs> well, what can you tell us about your love of Zima from from that uh, from that period? Um, yeah, I'm, God, I'm still not living that down. Um, so I, <laughs> no, to, you're not. Be, to be truthful, <laughs> I never, I never had a, a love of Zima. <laughs> No, I just I just I I met somebody. Andrew Brightman introduced me to to someone, and we were just hanging out uh, that night. And I think we were in New York, and she wanted Zima, so <laughs> I got so, Zima. And what year was this? This was probably like what ninety seven or something like that. But what? But West They were still making Zima. Um. Yeah, I think so. But, but but Wes and I were, were sharing a hotel room. So he like he he wakes up in the morning and sees Zima sitting on the counter. He's like, what the hell is this? And, you know, so. <clears throat> right. So, so that just, of course, it being Wes, he's going to find the biggest Zima cardboard cutout he can find. And it's going to show up behind your amp at every show on the tour. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, that's what happened. You remember any uh, funny tour stories, Gabe? I remember, for some reason, going to practice with you guys. This might have been at the at the Fig Dish Shakespeare House. I, I don't know. When you're learning these covers, and I got three covers in mind. I got Ain't Talking About Love, Big mm -hmm. Balls, and 
switching the glide, the beat goes on. What the hell are you guys doing? Why were we playing those excellent songs? Is that your question? <laughs> yes. Right. yes. That's what he wants to know. What, what was going well, on? You want to know why a rock these... band would, would choose to play some excellent rock songs at a show? <laughs> yeah, what was the occasion? I mean, you're, you're a signed band, touring, got one or two records out, and you're learning all these covers. I don't understand. Yeah, but they've got divine intervention in their <laughs> veins. And you were freaking out about the lyrics to all these songs, and, and, and... well, we were learning a lot of them in the van, bef- you know, before the show, like right before sound check. Yeah, we, we did- well, I remember you guys wanted me to get up and play "Switching a Glide." Yeah. This beat goes on with you guys, yeah. but I didn't even know that song. That was the first time I'd ever heard it. Oh, really? When you guys taught it to me, yeah. Wow, that's interesting because you're from Chicago. The thing of, um, about uh, this beat goes on switching the glide. The, the, the Kings they were from Toronto. They were Canadian. Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, Donna. Donna from Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. Um, but uh, they had like they weren't. They you're were. Not re- explain that one to the outsider. <laughs> no. No. Just let that one <laughs> okay. hang. What's that? If you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> um, I, I miss what Ben said. I just it's okay. <laughs> okay, um, let it go. But they, they were really popular in Toronto and Chicago because XRT played the hell out of that song, um, and so I think we got familiar with that song just from XRT. Right. Uh, that's 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 one of those songs that my wife heard in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, when she was in high school, and then when she okay. came to yeah. the East Coast, had it with her, and she's like, "Isn't this the best?" And I was like, "I don't know, I've never heard this fucking thing." But yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, that song is, is on, and it's two songs really. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, it's a medley, but that's on Gabe's feeling that playlist. West Gabe Rock playlist. That's on Gabe Rock. Yes, that's are, one of the first songs on my Gabe Rock playlist. Are there other examples of? Two songs being played as sort of one song whenever they came oh, on yes. the radio. Let's hear. Oh, what yes. Are, what are, are some of those? Feeling that way anytime. Uh, I was just going to say that. Uh, bye bye. Uh, uh, moving us. We are the champions. We, uh, yeah, we will rock you. We are the champions. That right. got played as two songs at the same, in a row on the radio? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. You know, if they don't play both of those songs, they're fucking they posers. Oh, wow. Heartbreaker, Living, Loving Made. Is that it? Yeah. 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 There's songs like if you don't hear the second songs, like you, you like actually have a physical reaction to it. Like, right. like if you don't hear Living Love and Made after Heartbreaker, you know, if you don't hear Moving in Stereo after Bye Bye Love, it's like your your heart like kind of stops beating or, you know, you have a paroxysm. And then right. You know, I think Springsteen Incident on 57th Street into Rosalita, I think also had that same kind of thing. Okay, yeah. That was the East Coast version. I was going to bring in the Springsteen. <laughs> you know, the, the thing about Heartbreaker and Livin' Lovin' Made is I had Zeppelin II on cassette, and they they used to, like, uh, re-sequence the records to, like, oh. you know, so there wasn't so much blank tape at the end of one side. So side one ended with Heartbreaker, and then side two would start, and it would be uh, Thank You, and then Livin' Lovin' Made would come. So I grew up kind of not hearing those two things together. Mm-hmm. Look at Gabe shaking his head. Nope. That doesn't work whatsoever. That's that's like depriving somebody of mother's milk. I, I don't know. Wait a minute, wait a minute, like... wait a minute. Gabe, you're talking about Zeppelin as That's an the only record I own. Is it okay. Zeppelin 2? 
Uh, Zeppelin yeah, two, that's, yes. That's Zeppelin two, yeah. Yeah, it's the only Led Zeppelin record I own. But you, you got to play that's the one. That's the record with the choruses. It is. The, that's when they stop. They, they, they need to learn how to write a chorus. Otherwise, they're not going to get my vote for whatever. I'm just saying that's their Led Zeppelin album that I own. They're jam rock. Would you... Stop talking. <laughs> What'd you say, Rick? <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a fair <laughs> characterization, but. Um, they're jam rock. Jam rock. Uh, I don't know. I, I was just disagreeing. I think I think they have choruses. They're great. This is, is what Gabe has. Many shall we say defects? No. And this is one of his his biggest. No, the, the thing about his Led refusal. Zeppelin, everybody knows Led Zeppelin has some really catchy riffs, but they do not have the <laughs> crescendo choruses. Sure, they do. No. Guess I'm gonna sail, spin, sail away, leave the day away. It's on Led Zeppelin too, isn't it? What about? All I need from you is all your love. What about on, that's that a chorus. Song, buying, what is it? Buying the stairway to heaven. Hmm. One song. That song doesn't have a chorus. <laughs> <laughs> one song. They have one song. All right, so. Tell us your memories of the end of Fig Dish. Like, wh when was it that you're just like, fuck this? I don't think there was a moment where we decided to fuck this. Uh, <laughs> um, we didn't, I mean, there wasn't any, like, falling out. <clears throat> we were just, uh, we, we got dropped, and we were just kind of um, thinking about doing different projects. We still had Fig Dish material, like that, you know, that third album. Um, like I said, we repurposed some of the songs for our uh, respective bands. But uh, yeah, Mike and Blake were were doing uh, caviar stuff, and um, I was starting to to, to write material for um, what became the, the Nest Bank. So you didn't put an end to Fig Dish, and then you both went and started doing that stuff? We didn't officially end it. <clears throat> um, I think we were just sort of doing stuff, uh, and then... And then just one day, Blake and I had a conversation about, you know, what they were doing and about what, what I was doing. And, you know, it was it was fine. It was cool. Um, right. But, I was, you know, we were writing different material. You know, I mean, the material that I was writing at the time probably wasn't kind of neat, probably needed its own uh, vehicle because a lot of it wasn't entirely suited for, for Fignish. But um, and I think the same could be said for some of the caveat material. Yeah. But we never... Yeah, we never followed up on that on that um, <clears throat> unreleased album, and kind of just kept doing our own thing. We ended up having a reunion show, I think in I don't know two thousand five or something. I think we had probably been broken up for, um, but right, you've had a couple of those. So, are you guys going to get together and do some shows? When does the record come out? Um, possibly. It's going to take a lot of practice <laughs> for us to do a show. Um, I don't know if I can sing as high as I used to sing. <laughs> I don't know if I could strum as fast as I used to strum. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm up for doing a show. We might, we, we did talk about playing a show. There's nothing, there are no plans set. Um, there's been some vague uh, talk about the possibility of doing a show. And, you know, our drummer, Andy, uh, he broke his hand. Uh, Blake got hit by a car a 
few months ago. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I hope my mic is healthy. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't heard anything. My so. Uh, <laughs> So I don't know. We there are some physical ailments uh, in this. <laughs> I mean, Blake, I think is a hypochondriac, but uh, think, a little bit. But yeah, but you can't fake getting hit by a car. I think <laughs> you, know, you, could, you, you could. But yeah, <laughs> you know. But dude, you're, you're making up for everyone else with your physical prowess. We recently saw you bike. I don't know, twenty miles or something from um, from Mickey's Tavern. To Middleton, like in the oh, middle of the night. Yeah, you're a biking motherfucker up there. No, I'm actually not a high biking motherfucker. It wasn't high. No, oh, I see. But, okay. Um, <laughs> Boo. About yeah, 50 miles. Yeah, I biked to your show, dude. That's Scott. That's how much I care. Yeah. No, I I, I get it. I'm I'm, I'm good willing to burn calories for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're that was Professor a Ness. Up there, up there in Ben's neck of the woods. Um, that's right. Yeah, in Ben's neck of the woods. Uh, <clears throat> it's funny. I've actually known uh, Ben. We haven't known each other personally, but I but I've known Ben for the last several years, just because you know uh, his work with uh, you know film and the Cinematheque and the uh, Wisconsin Film Festival. Because I've I've been a big fan of the Cinematheque and the Wisconsin right. Film Festival for a long time. So I, I always go. And he always gives these really funny introductions. And he's wonderful introductions, isn't he? He's good. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's the best. <laughs> um, and uh, and Rick and funny. I, Rick and I had a wonderful time that night after the after the podcast um, at Mickey's. We, so you said that's yeah. what I said. But then Scott, that's what you say? But then Scott said, "I saw Rick. He had that look like get me out of this as fast as you can." I'm like I don't know. Maybe. Scott thought that I had that look. Yeah. I've seen that look before. I, like glassy eyed. I, I think I think Scott was just messing with you. Yeah. Well that could be. I think that that's, sound like me. I, I think that's psychological abuse, Ben. I think, <laughs> I think it's just psychological warfare. <laughs> exactly. Ben, people don't like you. So <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the message you were trying to send, right? And right. Scott so, gains the upper hand. Yeah. Rick, tell us about your class. Like we what what is your course um, like my course uh oh i, I te- I've, I've taught many different courses uh so i got my degree in english uh literature um so i've uh, i've taught mostly uh literature courses and writing courses mm-hmm. so i can give you some examples for example last so judy bloom <laughs> um yeah yeah um the the why no the the ya the judy bloom i think is for the uh continuing uh adult uh studies um okay uh the the older people like <laughs> like the sure. ya stuff i'm glad i brought it up um <clears throat> but uh yeah we so i uh did not teach judy bloom i would love to teach it on judy bloom are you there, God? It's me, Rick Ness. Me, Rick Ness. Yeah. That would be the name of the course. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'd probably have an enrollment of two students because that was the only course they could get at that time. But... 
So who have you taught? Like, you know, come on. So, okay. So less impress us on a class um, on uh, transatlantic literature of the uh, long 19th century, mostly like late 18th and 19th century literature. So who did I teach? <laughs> um, I taught some poetry. I taught some poets like Phyllis Wheatley and William Blake and Samuel okay. Coleridge. Uh, Ooh, Gabe's favorite. Is it, he loves Samuel T. Coleridge. Yeah, who wouldn't? Yeah. Well, that's because the Iron Maiden, right? Oh, um, yes, mm-hmm. that's yeah, the only Ryan reason. Yeah. Mariner, right? Um, <laughs> See his eye as he stops one of three. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I think Gabe, you should be the Mariner sometime. You should just show up at, at people. <laughs> oh, he is. is he, oh, he already does that. Okay. <laughs> He sits, he goes to weddings and just sits in the corner. Let me tell you the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Who the fuck is this? Who, who invited this guy? Wait, Dr. Ness, Dr. Ness, what does rhyme mean? Um, rhyme means sort of a, like a sound. It's a form of sound patterning in which a certain sound is a callback to a previously... Uh, to a previous sound that is not identical, but very much like it. Oh, so rhyme of the ancient mariner, which I understood to be R I N E. Yeah, no, of course. I thought you were asking me a general question. About... <laughs> 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 no, it's a medieval spelling of rhyme. Right. Oh, it is. It is the same thing. thing. Yeah. Like the verse, like the of the. Okay. Uh, good. Okay. So I see. I took spellings. Rick, I told him this. He didn't believe me. I looked it up afterwards. You told him and the it, same fucking no, but, thing, and he's like, "Oh, of course." Somebody, I think it was somebody on the internet. After hearing you say that, said Scott's wrong. It's actually this other thing. And and what was the other thing? I don't remember. Um, yeah, but everybody knows he, something he that you know, comes in fruit. A N C Y, you know, and he, 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 all of the words are, are spelled with an archaic yeah. medieval purposely. You're talking about the the Power Slave album. Gabe, you want to... The what? You brought it up, Well, I'm going to bring it up, it up because... You, you want to take your shot? Yeah, but I got no chance on this one either. Every, Rick, well, I know. You got no chance. Rick, every guest that comes on the show, they get the, the, the canned question from my, from me. Because it's... Uh, Not canned it's, enough. It's a running joke that I always lose. Kind of like the <laughs> trivia that we had in Madison with replacements in Iron Maiden. But if you had to pick of the two bands, if you had to pick one of the two bands and you had to listen, you could only listen to one of the two at a deserted island or some site, some way. The replacements or Iron Maiden? Which um, one do you pick? What do you, which one do you think I would pick? <laughs> Most, I, I feel yeah, like replacements. You, you, you've known me for a long time. You've known my band for a long time. I feel like I, I think you'd pick the replacements. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but, basically, what Rick is saying is, how could you waste his time with such a stupid question? Yeah, we asked this no, Thomas Stinson. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, who, who has said Iron Maiden? Is, Tommy is Stinson. <laughs> of course. Uh, Brian Blackinger. Okay. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I can't think of who else said Iron Maiden, but. I'm just shocked. I'm on my shocked. side. In my circle of friends, you, you ask my friend, my family, the people I went to high school with. Eighty percent of them, Bruce Dickinson. Eighty percent would say Maiden. 
Well, he, here's the the best answer ever. Rick, Only eighty percent. When he when he, he when Gabe asked, yeah, and the other twenty percent have never heard of the replacements <laughs> anyway. But Gabe asked uh, Chips enough, you know, <laughs> who, the question, who's better? And Chips enough goes, what a dumb fucking question. Of course, the replacements. <laughs> and I was, my mind was blown. I was like, whoa. You were expecting Maiden. I was. Yeah. Yeah, one would expect that. from Rick, Ness, do you have any Chips Enough stories? Um, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, they're, God, Chips Enough. Um, There's, there's one. Maybe it's not suitable for for retelling. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, he told us a lot of stories himself that weren't suitable. He told us about stealing a horse and bringing it into their hotel room. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really amazing. Look at Lake Geneva's never seen anything like it. Yeah, I can't top that. Yeah. So yeah. 